Welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, brought to you once a week by the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. This podcast is supported by Matflix, video streaming from maternity experts. All your CPD needs made easy. If you need to get your revalidation done or have a student project to complete, Matflix is the one-stop shop. And welcome everybody to this week's Maternity and Midwifery Hour. It is session 11 of series 9. I can hardly believe I say that every week. Um, my name's Sue MacDonald and I'm the curator of the Maternity and Midwifery Hour and the Maternity and Midwifery Festivals. And it's my pleasure to be chairing tonight's session, which I know you're going to enjoy um, because it's something that midwives love to talk and listen about. And that's feeding, infant feeding. So we're going to have the lovely Shell Banks with us to talk about that. And because she's here, I think we ought to put her on the spot, just as we always do, and say, do you have a moment of the week to share with us, Shell? Oh, I do, but it's like it's a secret. <gasps> so I can tell you, we've got, so I work for Anya, um, uh, here representing Anya, and we have a big announcement, a big exciting oh. announcement, but it's embargoed until tomorrow night at 7 p.m <gasps> so everyone will just have to keep an eye on our social media so you know like and follow and all of that oh stuff my that goodness um but i yeah that's what's occupying us this week <laughs> so it's delicious to have a, a, a moment of the week that's a secret and only you know and your team know of course well, how, how delicious 7 7 okay Okay, well, I'll remind everyone at the end of the show to, to, to check out social media because people, most people here are very media savvy, very good on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of those. So keep an eye out tomorrow at 7 p.m. Get your get it in your um get it in your phone. Where's my phone? I don't know why I'm my phone. Set your alarm. There you are. Okay. Well, I just have to say. A big welcome to everyone again. And it, it's funny, actually, because tomorrow is the um, third anniversary of the lockdown for the pandemic for COVID-19, which I'm sure is a day that people are going to be reflecting a lot and thinking about the last three years. It seems in a way like another world away when we started with this. Um, but of course, this is where the maternity midwifery hours started when the pandemic hit and nobody was allowed to go to study days, nobody was allowed to go to conferences or any study days at all. We started this so we could all connect. We could make sure midwives got lots of information, lots of uh, education as and student midwives and maternity care support workers, actually everyone in maternity services completely to keep up to date be able to do all that revalidation, but also feel as they were connected to each other. And I think we succeeded because we're still going and the pandemic is kind of more under control, I think now, as you would say. So this is everything here, for those of you who are new to us, welcome. Everything is recorded, everything, everything we do on the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. So if you miss anything or your computer goes down in this next hour, but hopefully it won't, you will be able to find the recording to this and you'll find the recording to around, I think it must be a 1,200 sessions that are recorded in a huge bank of things looked after by the lovely Matflix. And they're all free and you can access anything. 
very useful if you're doing a project or if you're doing um, a dissertation or you want to do a piece of work for college, anything like that, all accessible. Now, if your time is a bit short, you can access the subscription even for a couple of months, but it kind of is a bit addictive. And you can then get the sort of um, the, the, the box sets. I always forget what they're called, the box sets, which are beautifully curated by Jenny Hall that many of you will know. And they have lots of little extras and they really are very useful if you're short of time and you wanted to have something focused. So so do have a look at Mapflix when you get some time. But in the meantime, remember, this is all free, free to share. And we like you to share. And I hope you're going to share tonight and, and the information you're going to get tonight with your colleagues. Maybe tell them all about it. They can join us next week. Again, I'm going to say a big thank you to our midwives, our student midwives, all of the team within the maternity care family for all the work you're doing. So I know even at the moment, though the pandemic is much calmer, we don't have that going on, we still have not enough staff and a lot of pressure on the service. So a big thank you to everyone who's just keeping going, doing their very best to give as good care as possible to mums and babies. So good on you. And I want to remind you, you to look after yourselves, in as I always do, but you need to. And I'm underlining this with a big line. Now, this this week, I'm not going to go into politics because there's enough of that on the radio and on the TV at the moment. I'm just going to say to yesterday was World Down Syndrome Day. And I couldn't work it out at first because I'd forgot that that one of the themes is that you wear odd socks. And I noticed on Twitter, people seem to be showing all their socks. And because I wasn't paying enough attention, I didn't notice for a little while. But that I think that's such a lovely theme to have. And some really lovely positive images of families and, and friends with people with Downs who are achieving great things all in their own lovely way. So that was great. Today is World Water Day. And here's some water to show it. There we are. Mm, delicious. What will we do without our water? Now, and yesterday was the World Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. I noticed there was a, a big... Um, conference on which was that and people were looking at racial inequalities and I think it's really important to keep that on our agenda but at my little moment of the day or my moment of the week actually is Monday was the spring equinox which means the spring has arrived and I know that because in this little this looks like a nice little office doesn't it but it's actually I've got growing things on my windowsill I've got little seeds all planted and the sun comes in and they're all coming up. And it's such a lovely, positive time for us. So if you haven't tried growing some things, spring is the time to try and grow some things for your garden or for you, even if you've got a little balcony or whatever. Fantastic. And um, it's also the beginning of Ramadan this week. And that's I believe it's coming tomorrow evening because that's, it's about the, the, the moon in the sky in a United Arab Emirates, can't even say the word. So I will say Ramadan Mubarak, and I hope I've said that correctly to all our Muslim friends and colleagues for, for, the, for the period of time. And also, I'm going to say my favourite tweet, my favourite tweet, and we're going to, we've, we've met this person who's Diane Minaj, and, and her tweet was which I really got me thinking and I hope it got other people thinking too was 
Does love have a role in midwifery care? Now, you'd think that was a bit obvious, wouldn't you? If you didn't love it and you didn't love women that you cared for and the babies you care for, why would you do it? But it, have a think about it. Very thought provoking. But we're going to have a, a little bit of discussion about that in series 10, which is coming in April and May. So there we are. So I'm going to move to the main event of this evening's session. And, and we're going to be looking at antenatal preparation for breastfeeding and improving information for women and families and looking at, at things like relationship building. So it's not just about feeding the baby, but it's a whole wide picture about what goes on. And many of you will know that in the UK, we've previously had some very low rates of breastfeeding, which are kind of improving, but not fast enough for us, I would say. I don't know, Shell isn't nodding, but she might nod in the moment about the not just the initiation, but continuation of breastfeeding. So I'm really so delighted to welcome Shell Banks. She's a, an, I know it's Ibelsea, and she's got, I'm sure she's going to say that because I'm going to get it wrong if I, if I do the whole thing. But she's basically an infant feeding specialist working to improve, to support improved infant feeding outcomes for families everywhere. So Shell works part-time for the NHS. She's got a small private practice and she's also the clinical director to Anya, which is, I know she's going to talk about, providing teaching, writing and other expertise to a number of national charities and organisations. She's written a book, which is on our resources list, which is available any, wherever you want it. And she's been involved in three Cochrane systematic reviews and the development of three nice guidelines. And alongside her annual work, don't know how you fit that all in, just to add something else, is doing a PhD part time. Now, this woman is a juggler par excellence, I think. So welcome, Shell. The screen is now yours. Thank you so much for coming to be with us. There we are. Marvellous. Um, I also have water. That's how you do it. <laughs> Hydration is key. Every day is National Water Day to me. Um, and also not sleeping much. And it is a very part-time PhD. But thank you for that. Um, so yes, I am indeed Shell Banks. I am an IBCLC. I think it's one of the qualifications is that you actually can say that acronym. Um, otherwise, you're not allowed to be one. So I'm here today to talk about uh, having effective antenatal infant feeding conversations. It's it's so tricky. We you might be really well versed in what you should be saying to people, but actually it's very difficult to have those conversations with families. So that's what we're going to unpick a little bit today. Um, bit about me, as you say, um, I'm a, a lactation consultant. I do have a private practice, but it's so small as to be um, unnoticeable. I haven't actually had any private clients this month at all. Um, I am a baby friendly lead in a hospital and I um, work across neonatal and health visiting as well. And I've been working on baby friendly since 2007. So I'm fairly well um first in what's required there and as you say I'm a clinical director for Anya. Um, I'm also a mother of four. Um, I've been pregnant, actually been pregnant many more times than four um, but I've had those discussions with infant feeding people or actually just midwives at, at you know normal standard midwives in my antenatal care um, 
I've I've breastfed my own kids and it's why I became a breastfeeding peer supporter in 2002. And as you say, I've served on some nice guidelines because when I know stuff and I can see stuff isn't quite right, I'm, I'm the sort of person who likes to stick my beak in and um, get involved and uh, and to put my two penneth in. So um, hopefully I did okay with those. As you say, I've also um, got a book out about formula feeding, which I thought it was really important to do. Took me a very long time to write it, to get it just right. And um, I've also started my PhD, which is also in um, infant feeding related. It's about unsettled babies. And I'm sure I'll be sharing that all over my socials. Feel free to follow me wherever you find me. So um, I thought I'd start with what even are effective antenatal infant feeding conversations? You know, what aren't they? What they're, they're not. Oh, my goodness. Breast is best because that's not going to work. Um, if you're talking to somebody who agrees with you, with that sentiment, they're just going to agree with you. If you're talking to somebody who has never considered infant feeding or how they might feed their baby. And let's be honest, we know that most people who you talk to in their first pregnancy are thinking, oh my goodness, this thing is getting bigger all the time and it's going to have to come out. And I've seen stuff and I've watched, you know, call the midwife or one born every minute or any number of dramatizations in which there's screaming and agony and blood and terror. And, and all they're thinking is 10 centimeters is like, um, and so feeding is not the number one thing. They are thinking, how's this thing going to get out? Um, is the baby okay? And also how's, how are we going to actually deliver a baby? It's only the first maybe couple of days and perhaps buying things for the baby that most people have considered. Certainly most people when they're having a baby don't, you know, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> I was 30. I thought I knew what it was going to be like. I hadn't got a clue. I remember being driven away from the hospital, chit-chatting away, and the, the baby in the back made a noise. And we looked at each other and said, oh, my goodness, do you think they realize we haven't got a clue what we're doing? And they've let us go home with this baby. And we were proper grown ups, you know, mortgages and businesses and, and you know, in our 30s and 40s at that time. So there's a lot of stuff that they need to have communicated to them. Um, and the midwife who sees them during that antenatal time or the health visitor or whoever else from the team or if they're lucky enough to attend um, a, an infant feeding class there are so many messages you know there's lots of pregnancy health messages lots of prevention messages lots of safety messages and then there's all the stuff that we sort of feel is kind of bolted on at the end you know the the relationship building and the infant feeding stuff the stuff about um prevention and um safety and um stuff kind of you know these things about whether breastfeeding is a good idea or whether they've only only ever thought about formula feeding they need to have enough information to make informed choices and they need to have enough information um information about feeding and you know we can we always can start with caring for and bonding because that's an easier conversation to have but I've I've never ever met anyone who's had enough information antenatally just from having their normal routine care to make decisions themselves, good informed decisions about infant feeding. It's very difficult to prepare people adequately 
what we can do is get them to actually be making informed choices about everything. And that encourages them to go off and look for information themselves and to look for um, how how they might build one and what they what they need to know themselves. So there's this, which the lovely Amy Brown, um, she, I emailed her and said, or messaged her and said, uh, what do I need to say then? And she said, ah, yeah, you need to look at this. Um, so this is what do women really want? <laughs> Lessons for breastfeeding promotion and education. So I picked this out, which was key themes included a move away from the perception that breastfeeding is best rather than normal. I, I love to reframe it and think about our biological norm and any deviation from the biological norm coming with consequences. And I often talk about, um, so as to not make that judgment judgmental when we're talking about breastfeeding or not, I often say, you know, having your ears pierced is a, is a deviation from the biological norm. Personally, I love a dangly earring. I like the feeling. I think, I think it makes my face look pretty, goes with my glasses, you know. Um, I like an earring, but every one of us knows someone who's had an earring pulled out or it's gone gammy or something. Every deviation from the biological norm comes with consequences. Driving in the car, it's you, you can't have a car accident if you aren't in a car. So every deviation from the biological norm comes with consequences. Antibiotics are a deviation from the biological norm. But if I've got sepsis, please give me all of the antibiotics because I don't want to die of sepsis. So some devi they come with consequences, but sometimes the consequences are beneficial. So talking about biological norms, talking about things other than the health benefits, because the health benefits only fit if that family is susceptible to or worried about the health benefit that we're, that we're banging on about. And actually, um, as it says, a message to every feed rather than just six months exclusive, people have got in their mind, actually lots of people have got in their mind that just the first feed is enough. Um, I think Amy's hit it on the, on the head here when she says targeting everybody, it's a wider society problem. So what I'm saying is I, I get that this is hard. <laughs> there, are, there are some issues. Um, what makes the conversation effective or ineffective? They need to trust the person they're having this conversation with. There's no point in you saying, hello, I've never met you before, but I've got to give you a lecture about um, infant feeding now because I've got a list to tick off and I need to tell you about benefits um, and dram that home and make sure that you've understood all of the messages I need to tell you. You know, we know we know that um, pregnant and uh, newly delivered parents are, are right brained focused. They're not left brain logical sequential like us they're they're a bit more fluffy and they need things to be um presented in a way where it slots onto information they've already got builds on existing um knowledge and is really light on any new information so you've got these opportunities across many different um ante antenatal appointments and to share that load between everybody who's seeing this mother and to drip feed information at different points so that's that's what I'm going to bang on about. Um, it's important because there is a wealth of evidence that breastfeeding is a massive public health imperative. As it says, if a new vaccine was available that could prevent one million or more child deaths a year and it was cheap, safe, 
administered orally and required no cold chain, it would become an immediate public health imperative. And, you know, that's 1994. Why did we not already sit up and take notice in 1994? It's such a slow burn. And I know you've already um, talked about the Lancet, um, I'm sure, briefly when we had the new one, new Lancet report out last month, but I'm going to touch on it again today. So we had originally this uh, 2016 report, um, the, the Lancet Breastfeeding Series, and it had huge amounts of up-to-date, robust evidence-based, you know, really research, data-focused looks at breastfeeding, having breastfed babies, having fewer infections and, you know, protection against overweight and so on and so on, really in-depth. And I spoke to one of the authors at a conference and um, he was super enthusiastic about it. And obviously there's a lot of work had gone into it. And, um, and then, it was it was about two years after it had happened. And he said, what I can't understand is we've published this and yet it doesn't seem to have changed anything. Like he thought, well, if we build it, you know, if we tell everybody this news, the problem must be that people don't understand that breastfeeding is a good idea. And of course, that's not the problem at all, because people do understand. You know, these are some of the images that came out in in 2016, you know, big, bold um big bold messages as uh, another one here could save more than 820,000 lives a year um, i think in the uk this was dismissed a little bit because it's kind of all oh, those are those are you know developing world babies those are babies who haven't got access to clean water well you know that's not quite what the evidence said but obviously we have you know much better um mortality rates here. And so it, it's not as big a, a, a threat to most babies. However, we've got big health inequities in this country, big, 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 um, meaning the difference between a baby who is born in one postcode and another baby born in another postcode based on things like family income, and ethnicity and the age of the parents and the mental health of the parents and the physical health of the parents and what access there are to services. And we talk about this postcode lottery, but there is nothing, you know, there is nothing more crucial than those formative days, weeks, months of an infant's life, because that's lifelong stuff being laid down. And the impact of health inequities on our babies can't be underestimated. And we know that, you know, I just pulled something from the Marmot Review here. Um, and again, it's 13 years since this was published, but the data stands. Babies who aren't breastfed are at increased risk of, di of diarrhea and vomiting, ear and respiratory infections, cognitive delay, obesity, and type 2 diabetes. And then Mothers are least likely to breastfeed if they are poor, if they are in the lower two socioeconomic centiles, 20% um, less likely than the most affluent mothers. And if they're under 20, they are one third less likely than mothers over the age of 34. So we have all this information and it's been out for years and we broadcast it and we share it. And, you know, most trusts are now doing baby friendly. Most universities are now doing baby friendly. Most of us know this information, have been given this information, but it's still really difficult to get these messages across. So why is it so difficult? Um, it's difficult because 
these are the images you know lovely little um mobile for a baby with a bottle on it you know the baby doll that the baby the little girls got from the moment we're tiny kids breasts are used for selling things and babies are fed with bottles and um that's really hard to get past because that's our culture and so our culture experiences have led to actually us having the pretty much the lowest breastfeeding rates in the world and then if you add in the idea that a midwife or a health visitor or some other health professional might be the one saying well you know you should be losing weight eating properly getting plenty of exercise um, cutting, you know, stopping smoking, uh, getting away from that difficult relationship that you're in, um, buying the right things for your baby, and you should be breastfeeding, and, 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 and. Most of us have a bit of a mistrust of authority figures, purely because we went to school, we've been in the world, and we start to kind of go, yeah, but I can make my own choices, I know better. So we can only counter these things where authority figures tend to undermine themselves with with these techniques like motivational interviewing um there is i haven't for some reason put the uh, link at the bottom of this one but anyway the link is in my references um and so that is more about rather than telling them things you follow what they say you direct the conversation and you guide them into reaching a conclusion that is um a, a better decision for them, a, a more informed choice. So it's asking them questions and listening to what they've said before informing them. There is no point in just going in with information because, you know, I don't listen either sometimes. So why would we when we're being bombarded with advice and recommendations? Um, <laughs> then we have the, the Lancet 2023. And again, you know, they're very excited about it. It's going to change the world. They've gone a completely different way this time. They're not talking about the benefits of breastfeeding. They kind of gone, we've done that. Actually, this is about the exploitation of the commercial milk formula industry um, of our vulnerable families. And we should all be quite angry about that, actually, because we're spending loads of time and energy trying to get Im trying to get messages across to people. I'm furious, hence the book. Um, I want families to have good information about formula and that should not come from the people who are selling the formula. That needs to come from independent and trustworthy sources. So advertising, marketing, all of the little ripples in a pond that are done by these companies, we have a collective responsibility. Um, so I'm just gonna you know, give you some examples of how shocking it is. Um, first of all, it's almost always beautiful looking white families. So maybe that doesn't fit everybody's um, need for their imagery. Um, they almost always have beautiful soft focus and all beautifully written and, um, you know, make wild claims about things. And um, then even more shocking is the stuff on the right hand side, because the stuff aimed at health professionals, which if you ever subscribe to any journals or, you know, you're doing any um, CPD, which is not as good as this stuff here for Matflix, but you're doing um, stuff which has been paid for by industry, you will find you're just being advertised to every third page. And it's nice and glossy. And I saw a beautiful piece of CPD um, 
the other day and then I scroll to the bottom and you get that how you can support mums to breastfeed and it's an advert for a company that makes nipple shields and creams and um, breast pumps and all sorts of things and it's not about helping to breastfeed at all in fact it's about why we might need their products and we don't need their products so um what we need is really good support. And as an IBCLC, you know, always find somebody who knows what they're talking about. That's the clue. So what they're saying is, and I'll, I'll just put these slides up very briefly. I encourage you, it's only three articles. I encourage you to go and read them yourself. It's not as big as the 2016, which was huge and amassed a load of really good evidence base. It's just three pieces this time, and they're all in the references um, about the, the way that marketing is working. So they've done some beautiful infographics here as well. Um, you can have the slides from us, so you'll be able to come back and have a look at these at your leisure as well. But, you know, only one in two newborns are put to the breast in the first hour of life. That's so sad. So sad. Um, there's, it's calling on the society's collective responsibility to protect, promote and support breastfeeding, not just for breastfeeding mothers, not just for breastfeeding babies, but for all babies, because formula advertising does not serve families and babies. It serves the company. It is about making money. And that's not what we should be should be dealing with. So we've got some issues. Now, what do we do? So the promised five easy wins are coming up. And they're not actually specific pieces of information because I could have done a presentation about what you need to tell people antenatally. But if you're at uni or you're in post and you're going to infant feeding training in your, in your trust, you will already be receiving this um, and you can find this information very easily. I think it's actually more important that we look at how it's delivered. So that's what we're going to look at. Um, and this is my one and only slide that contains a, a shameless plug for the app, but it demonstrates really nicely some counselling skills um, being done by the AI. So C is for counselling skills. We are going to care. Um, C is for counselling skills. We need to listen to them before we try to inform them. We need to accept their feelings. Um, there's no point. If, if a mother is feeling like she's failing before she started, if you, if you respond by saying, no, that's not true, what you've done is tell her you don't believe what she says. So we always say, oh, poor you, or yes, yes, lots of people say they feel like that. You know, accept it first because that's your springboard. And language is such a tricky thing. And we say things, you know, I'm talking live to all of you now. The words are just tumbling out of my mouth. At any moment, I might say something that's twisted a little bit in the way it's come from my brain to, to out into the world. And we need to be really careful with our language. But we're not, you know, we're not robots. We're all humans. So, practicing your positive non-judgmental language and all of your soft skills and practicing using appropriate and personalized language is good um but i would say if you hear something tumble out of your mouth that you think "Ooh, that wasn't the right way of phrasing it you just say what i mean is and you retreat you reframe and you represent it and maybe say it twice maybe repeat it later in the good way of saying it so that you can just, you know, help them to hear it in a better way than you maybe said it the first time. Um, 
Also really key, checking understanding. That is not to say that you say, do you understand what I mean? Because almost everyone will say, yeah. Um, You actually need to ask them what they've heard from you. Um, Is that making sense for you? Is there anything that you'd like to share back with me? You know, what have you got from that? How has that changed what you're thinking about? Did that add to what you're thinking about? In what way? Um, and so you can move the learning on from there. And they've, if they've slightly misunderstood something, that's the time that you pick it up. Um, the second C is for collaboration with colleagues. So I've put up, um, you know, that's just a, a pretty picture from the digital maternity program, all about how we talk to each other. And um, I've also put up the um, Badger and Eura King uh, logos. I'm sure other people exist as well, but it's an opportunity to to communicate with our colleagues. So yes, we discuss at every opportunity with the expectant parent as an individual, but there's more than just you speaking to this parent. So make sure they've got the same messages coming from lots of different places and say, maybe say, oh, so you had, you know, your scan appointment. Did anybody talk to you about infant feeding? Or, oh, you've seen the consultant. Did they speak to you about infant feeding? Or I wasn't here last time. I see you saw Sally. Did she mention anything about infant feeding? What did you cover? Let's move on from that. And you can record that um, in your notes. Make sure that the, the colleagues can see what's been discussed, not just a box that ticks, if you can actually write something um, and if the mother has decided she wants to breastfeed one key thing that staff members have said to me is wouldn't it be nice to actually have it written in the notes and in the birth plan that this mother intends to breastfeed so that when that baby is born if there's any obstacles any bumps in the road the staff involved know this mother intends to breastfeed, we'd better make sure we facilitate that. That's something we need to keep in mind because it isn't the thing you're thinking about when you're delivering a baby. Mostly you're thinking about the safety and the mother and the baby. I get that. Um, I have, you know, the, the luxury of not being a midwife. I think you're all amazing, potentially slightly um, unhinged. However, um, it's it's because you're doing such a hard job, you know, such a responsible job. And absolutely, as Sue said, not enough of you and very, very stressed. But we can support the parent at every stage of conf- contact if we all work together on it. Um, and you know, further than that, it's it's not just individual members of staff. It's about our educational strategies. It's about changes in policy and practice. And it's about the whole of the healthcare system, not just one midwife, one clinic, one infant feeding lead trying to do everything. It needs to be completely systemic. It needs to be from your director or your head of midwifery, from the board level of the trust down. It needs to be filtered through everything. It needs to be the whole LMNS, the local maternity and neonatal system. Um, Everybody all saying the same things and getting the right education, the policies and procedures in. So A is is for assume everyone will surprise you. Um, We, because it's easier, um, we tend to pigeonhole people and we make assumptions. Um, And there's that saying, isn't there? Assume makes an ass out of you and me. Um, Assume at your peril, people will surprise you. You know, you might meet, and I I spoke to um, a family nurse practitioner this week and they they work with um, the the teenage cohort um, historically. It's changing slightly now. 
And she was saying that actually she's seeing the breastfeeding rates amongst the young mothers actually going up. And it's she's found it surprising that um, she didn't even really know very much about breastfeeding to tell them necessarily. And it hadn't been part of her kind of regular patter because it, it wasn't taken well. But now there are more of them are breastfeeding. So that's lovely. Um, don't know if that's necessarily happening in the over 30s as well. But anyway. Um, but they might not know what you expect to know. Again, we need to ask and we might we need to listen. Um, they might know absolutely loads and already have read 17 books and gone on a course and have three friends who have come around and given them loads of information. Um, they might have really fixed intentions. I am definitely going to breastfeed or I am definitely not going to breastfeed, but they equally might never have thought about it ever. Um, and they may not have the plans that you would plan for them, but they are their plans. And what we need to do is make sure that these are informed choices they are making. There's nothing more traumatic and grief striking than finding out later that you made decisions based on something that wasn't true or you didn't have all the information. So people get angry later and defensive and grief stricken later. R is for referring on to others. Um, this is not all on you. Frontline member of staff takes on a huge responsibility. But actually, if there are reputable and reliable sources for you to signpost to, if there is a peer support group, if there is an infant feeding team, if there are antenatal courses, you know, I'm going to say if you're using Anya in your local area. <laughs> signpost to the app get them in when they're pregnant get them to the breastfeeding groups when they're pregnant get them going to these antenatal classes um signpost them to good websites and good um facebook groups locally it might be that there's a brilliant local facebook group um if you don't know the answer it is always better to say that's a really good question i don't know i'm going to ask so and so and i'll come back to you or i'm going to get so and so to get in touch and that's how it works in um, in my trust. We don't have a specialist infant feeding team with an email and a clinic and all of that. Our setup is really ad hoc. Literally today, I've spoken to two health visitors, a midwife and somebody from the pediatric ward who just got in touch and just wanted to ask a question about something or they put somebody in touch with me to contact. Um, and that's how it works. It's all very, um, they know that they, when they don't know, it's better to pass it on. And, and it shares the burden. And it's not you then having to hold all the essential information. You're signposting them to reliable sources. And that doesn't mean giving them a discharge email from the hospital that's got 75 different link, links to click to open things because they're not going to open them. You know, even in the days when we used to have leaflets and bits of photocopied stuff, I might have flicked through it. But if it's a photocopy of a photocopy and it looks like you're not very valuable you know you feel not very valuable it feels not important we loved didn't we have I got one on my desk we loved they have the old off to the best start leaflet and it's you know it's got pages and pages and it's shiny that was great but we don't have that anymore so <laughs> we have to find electronic things to give them that actually will make them feel good and that's because they need to feel empowered e is for empowered they need to believe it's realistic. They need self-efficacy. They need to feel like this is something they can do. And they need a connection to the appropriate support so that they can facilitate those wishes. So I've 
I'm not going to read all of this out. I, I do invite you to go and have a look. This is from, um, actually, these are my PhD supervisors, and I know they work really well, Jill Thompson and Nicola Crossland. Um, but this is about they, them ev evaluating a peer support um, scheme local to me. But they looked at um, those that the empowerment, the way that they felt empowered. So, you know, it, it positively influenced their beliefs toward breastfeeding. I learned so much about it. And prior to this, I was unconvinced whether I would bottle or breastfeed. But I had no doubts after, after that support. So that's what you need. Somebody who's going to make you feel like it's within your grasp. I've stuffed this in at the end um, because it exists and we should be using it. So the good practice guide for midwives. This is all the information that needs to be dealt with in in pregnancy, but look at how it how it how it suggests you do it. What I'm saying is not new. This is from 2012. Find out how parents imagine the baby. Take time to listen. Ask the partner and parent partner to sing to the baby. You know, point out that the ultrasound shows the baby actually reacting, and so on. It's this is how we build re relationship with the baby, so that they are going to make better informed choices because it's a real person. So brief recap. Number one, this is a public health imperative. We absolutely need to be doing it. I don't take away from the fact that it is difficult because we've got marketing influences, we've got cultural influences, but our socioeconomic factors of some of our families that we work with make it even more important for them. And with the cost of formula being what it is and the cost of electric being what it is and everything else going through the roof, it's even more, even more important. And it doesn't just come down to you. It is everyone's responsibility. So then our recap of our care is, um, I've put these in the wrong order just to confuse everybody. Counselling is essential. Collaborate with your colleagues. Assume everyone's going to surprise you. Refer on and be honest and empower those expectant parents so that they've got the information they need to make the good informed choices. So I'm here on behalf of Anya. Um, Anya does have a, a 1000 days scope from conception to the child's second birthday. And the intent is that the parents could then have evidence-based information. And this helps staff who are frontline with those families to collaborate with it and get those public health messages across from all directions and in a way that feels non-judgmental and safe and so on. Um, you can contact us. You can email hello at Latchade. Um, you can look on our website, which is Anya Health, and you can find us on the socials on Anya Latchade. And here are my references, which I know are you've provided separately. And that's me done. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Cheryl. That was really very, very thought provoking. And Good. kind of I, it, it made me think about all the discussions that we have, you know, at the booking when you do the booking visit and you have a, a discussion about breastfeeding. And it, it, it is very much ticky, ticky box. And I yeah, think the this sort of counselling concept... My trust has just moved on to a, an electronic system, as many people have. Yeah. And the ticky ticky box is even gone. So there's no like force. You don't have to turn a page and see the ticky ticky box. You have to physically go and look for where to oh, write the information. No. <laughs> so, so the midwife is sort of having the conversation and not knowing where to record it, or they're not being prompted. Mm. 
Yes, I will be day willing with that. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the the counselling, I think the counselling concept was was, was uh, something really for us to think about because it's really about and and that's what women do tend to say is you know nobody listened and there's kind of concept of building on and actually listening to what women are saying and what they their intentions are and what their mm -hmm. understanding is it's such a good good place to start we know don't we we can smell it a mile away when somebody is talking at us and not with us you know we we need to take in in trying to communicate health messages we need to take the good marketing the good sales techniques but we're not actually trying to sell them something they don't want we're trying to help them navigate to, to what works best for them and that's slightly trickier it's much easier to tell people what to do <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and I'm afraid as a, as a midwife I know I tend to be a bit bossy so I've probably been very guilty of giving a little mini lecture in the clinic or a mini lecture in the ward or whatever so <laughs> when we know better we do better yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I'm waiting for some questions to come in because here you have Shell is here. You can ask anything you'd like. And I know there's often a little delay, but I know we have a little we have quite a few people with us tonight. And I know we'll have some of our usual friends who always have lovely questions to ask us. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was, as I was thinking, I was thinking about pers persuasion. I mean, it's back to the marketing, isn't it? And it sort of makes you think if you go into, because this is what, what you were making me think. My brain was going all over the place as you were talking. And I was thinking, well, how do you make people, make people, make people? You, you know, when you go shopping for something, the, the, you know what you want. And if you really want something, you don't need anyone to sell it to you because you and that it's so that kind of takes it back. And I know Amy Brown would always be saying that it takes it right back but to the sort of public. Even if you're going for beans, you know, and you know where the beans are and you're just going to pick the beans up. We have been marketed too, And oh, that's when we pick up the ones with the 57 varieties. And, you know, you might have tried different ones and then someone in your family or your household says, oh, they're not the same, though. And actually, <laughs> they purport to be able to tell the difference between brand A and brand Z. Marketing is genius. Yes. So we are being marketed to all the time. So we are going to be marketers of infant feeding and breastfeeding. So what would be a tip? for us to get marketing apart from the care which is a fantastic mnemonic i really think like this because it helps you think about how you're going to manage the woman and her expectations how you support her and develop her it's like putting in a real care plan yeah. and getting you're talking about getting real continuity by writing things down as, and as that's you go. exactly it isn't it it's we know continuity of care is a is it's not mm not just something we've got to do it's something we've really got to do mm. because what's the point of having all these stuff if we're not all saying the same things and continuing that care for the family and the collaboration and the communication as well as the counseling skills I can do so mm. many C's it could have been <laughs> it's so crucial <laughs> and of course and I mean actually it's quite again infant feeding is one of those things and you'll find that in your 
um, work in in within the clinical area. It's one of the things that women always say we give them so many conflicting yes conflicting information. Oh, so then. If you don't absolutely know that you know the ref, you know, if there's a piece of information that's been handed to you by another member of staff and they've handed to, to, had it handed to them, you know, like the, I don't know, I was going to say something really controversial. Let's Go on, say it, say it. Well, so one of the <laughs> ones that's out there, no, I'm not saying the controversial one. If, if, I, if I say to you that on the internet, women are told that they mustn't express for the first six weeks after the baby is born. And in, oh. in Facebook groups, they're, they're all told, oh, no, you're expressing. You shouldn't be expressing. So there is there's a grain of truth in the middle of that, because what we're saying is while you are setting up the supply and the demand for yeah. that baby, and it's all very delicate balance with hormones and so on in the first few weeks, while you're setting that up, if you are feeding a baby and also expressing for the fridge and freezer, you are effectively setting up a supply for one and a half or two babies. And your body will then, when you get to lactogenesis three at around six to eight weeks, where it switches over from hormones to being a kind of mechanical extraction of the milk that triggers the milk supply, the body's going to go, oh, yeah, well, I'll just keep going with the with that massive supply. And you've overcome, you know, you've set it at that point where it's making. And these women have got babies who are fighting this supply and they're choking and they're leaking all the time and the baby's got gas and. And you kind of go, have you been expressing a lot? However, women whose babies are in the neonatal unit, women whose babies can't feed mm. and breast, they should be expressing like mm. day zero, never mind in the first six weeks. So mm. it's not, a, we can't be, and I'm, I've just done it. We shouldn't be, <laughs> shouldn't, no. It's more effective if we frame our language so that we do not use should, must, mm. have to, need to. Or have these absolutes because it's about meeting that family where they are and mm. their needs. And I have told many families that they would benefit from expressing within the first few weeks because of an issue they're having. Mm. So we shouldn't, shouldn't, oh, <laughs> we present. It's more effective if we give, if we use balanced language and if we tailor information to that family, but they also need to be clear that it's need, that it's more effective <laughs> they are clear that it's tailored for them so that they don't just share verbatim the thing that they were told yeah. because that's how it trickles down, isn't it? Yeah. I had to formula feed you because you were such a hungry baby translates into some women can't breastfeed or maybe it's a supply problem in our family. Yeah. Yeah. That. yeah yeah absolutely well it, i mean it, it's it comes down to being very individualized and we talk about individualized care but what actually we often give is just the package that everyone gets and that's that really proves it now some questions have come through now, i'm going to look away because i have two screens very and good. questions come over here so there we are we have lauren hi lauren and she says thank you shell do you have any suggestions for trusts struggling to get antenatal and postnatal conversations about connection embedded into the culture so if you're doing baby friendly it is part of the must do um it, and there is a sheet which i believe i have added the link to or have added the title of to my um references about having antenatal conversations mm -hmm. um it's an absolute must do um 
the the if I knew how to embed it (laughs) (laughs) we'd already have baby friendly again in my trust we've had it before Mm. we will have it again it is about winning over the hearts and minds of the staff and getting them to understand that this is the parents right to have that information and letting them see the disservice that we are giving them by withholding information about connection and bonding and relationship building and all of that and from that comes the infant feeding stuff and I'm I'm in a hospital which has very low breastfeeding rates high formula feeding rates um, and I've sold the whole package on the back of it being about relationship building and informed choice. And mm. then we decide what the parents want to do and support that. But if we just, if I just came in and said, everyone should be breastfeeding, that's not appropriate and it's not mm. practical and it's not feasible. So yeah, hearts and minds stuff. Hearts and minds. Okay, Lauren, I hope that's answered your question. Thank you. Okay, I've got also, Rosie Anya, Butler. Oh. Everyone should use Anya. They should oh, all use Anya. Okay. All right, everyone should use Anya. And it download looks, it for free. Actually, it looks a fantastic resource for anybody. And and let's face I'm it, when you're busy, you need good resources at your fingertips. And the, so health, thank you. the health professional downloading that can download it for free. And um, if you're in a pilot area, you can use it unlimitedly, the AI, and it, ask it a question, it will answer you as a health oh, professional. Wow give the answer it would give to a mother if she was asking the question. Um, if you're not in a pilot area, you can have five antenatal contacts. Uh, oh, okay. Five um, AI virtual supporter contacts a day. And there's loads of other bits and pieces in there to see as well. But five a day, which means you can ask a question when you're with a parent or you can ask a question if you suddenly remember that you needed to know something. And that can be helpful. And there's um, a little community for the health professionals. Inside. Oh, okay. So how many pilot um, systems are there going? So we're, we're in about, um, well, then we're not in pilot anymore. We're all in commissioned areas. So we've got, um, I think we've got seven areas. At the oh, moment. wow. Okay. So those of you listening who are in the UK, find out if you're in a pilot area. And you, you know should what? know this. Even if you're not in the UK, we're expanding it later. Oh, excellent. That's what we like but to know. But you can all download it. It's in both app stores and it's Fabulous. free. Fabulous. Have a look around. Fantastic. Thank you. I'm going to go on to Rosie Butler now. Hi, Rosie. Rosie says, are you aware of any online support podcasts, <laughs> websites that would support teenage expectant mums to breastfeed? I think I know the answer to this, Shell. <laughs> well, answer we... for Rosie. <laughs> Back to Anya. Anya again. Um, we were awarded some funding from the Small Business Research Initiative um, late last year, looking at addressing health inequalities. And we have deliberately target, targeted pregnant um, young families, so under 25, and also lower socioeconomic decile um, families, white British ones specifically, because those are the people who struggle most with um, infant feeding stuff. Um, so within the app, the articles that they see and the, the resources that they see are tailored to them and they have imagery for them and it's written for them. Um, that's the beauty of an app. It's not like a leaflet. You can have mm. it so that it's tailored. So they see what we serve to them based on what they've said when they join, how old they are and what stage they're at and so on. Wow, this is just magic, isn't it? I mean, also I, we've got yeah. you know for people of color, we've got so that they will see more imagery within the app that is women of color, families of color, because there's nothing worse than just seeing a sea of white faces that don't represent mm. you, and we recognise that. So, well, you need to see people who look like you. It needs to be achievable. Whatever you are, whether it's you're got to be achievable. You have yeah. to be empowered by the information. So, absolutely. Thank you for that. Okay. 
Next one, Carol Goddard. Hi, Carol. Hi, Carol. Says, that was great, Shell. <laughs> Thank you. And she says, can you tell us why Anya was renamed from Latchade? And is it a free app that families can be signposted to? It is a free app that families can be signposted to. And I can tell you why it was uh, renamed. Latchade is the 3D interactive animations that's within the app. And Anya is the name of the virtual supporter, the AI powered virtual supporter. So they both still exist in the app. They both existed in the app previously. It was called Latchade. And we branched out from there into all these extra things that aren't just breastfeeding. What we found was that commissioners find it very difficult to commission an app for the thousand days that they think is just about latching the baby on when you've just had them. Mm. So that name needed to go. Um, so we just lifted one, elevated one name and, and dropped down the other one. It's the same company, same people, same ethos. Um, I'm super, you know, Carol knows, super pro breastfeeding. But gosh, uh, what, what a tough crowd. Tough crowd. Yeah. Well, I'm Carol. <laughs> So how are you evaluating it all oh, so far? Well, so the piece of funding that we got, this SBRI stuff, mm. um, they require huge amounts of evaluation. So we're constantly doing questionnaires and focus groups and interviews and so on to find out what people think of it as they move along. Mm. Some of the areas, so Lancashire um, have had the app now for about maybe 18 months and they started with a free pilot, but it's, it's you know they've commissioned it mm. and they've commissioned it for a, a period, a long period of time. So that anyone in Lancashire gets it all through their pregnancy and for five months after the baby's born at premium level, so they can use absolutely every feature in the app. And, and wow! Um, and again, we do questionnaires all the time, and we check that it's working and and mm. that it's doing what we and we it moves so fast. Um, our next plan is a, is another big piece of funded work again on um, SBRI this 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 you know oh, in, wow. inequity stuff we want to do foreign languages we want to do different positions we've already got it so that the animations you can change the color of the skin and you can change the size of the breasts and you can change the position that the mother is feeding in and you can change where you see it from and all of that sort of thing but we have so many plans so wow. what is, our team are just like fizzling with it. <laughs> ideas we stick in a spreadsheet and go oh, can we do this one today can we do this one and it sounds like it my goodness i can't tiny little team but but we're all super passionate oh fabulous now i'm just checking whether there's been a problem because the um i'm just trying on my oh sorry hang on a second da, 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 da. i'm looking for my tweeters just to see i think the questions have gone a bit slow that's a lot of um, different apps to have open all at once. It so. is. It is. It is. Two screens, phone. <laughs> no. Head. They're a little bit slow coming through, I think. So if you've got a question, try and put it in now and we'll see. We've had lots. We're having lots of comments. I don't know. We're, so we're, we're waiting for this very, very special announcement tomorrow at seven o'clock and it's, then it's hugely exciting because it's a beautiful piece of recognition and a massive opportunity for the organization so Fabulous. i will say no more or i will be <laughs> i've been embargoed about um but yes absolutely keep an eye on our socials keep an eye on my feel free to follow me but definitely follow anya um and 
and if you've got any questions about you know if you've not managed to ask a question this evening find me online um hello at latche.com is the email that you get bounced into and then we'll bounce you to whoever needs to answer the question ask on the socials and one of our team will pick it up um that we're we're small but committed we're actually about to get even smaller because our lead developer is going on paternity leave tomorrow and he and his wife oh great (laughs) so we can't be can't be salty about that even (laughs) keen on babies um but our team's going to shrink for a few weeks and then grow back again oh fab no that's fantastic well i think it would be nice to have you back shell and especially if this i mean i don't know i don't know because i haven't i don't even know the secret myself but i suspect there may be something that you want to revisit with us on maternity hour on one of the festivals maybe May I mean there are continually going to be announcements. Oh well, we're gonna we're gonna have to have you back. There's no choice about it. Oh, some questions just come through, so we can have a last question. I think because as I always say, this hour goes through so quickly. But we've got Emma Suez. So hi Emma. Says hi, Shell. What sort of time frame would you focus on in an antenatal feeding session? First day, first week, first month. Um. I have to say, you give them enough information to get them through the early obstacles and tell them what people normally fall down over. Um, and it's it's not necessarily information to get you through the first month. It's, you know, it's sore nipples and the baby's going to feed all the time and that's normal. And the baby's going to poop all the time and that's normal. <laughs> Do you know what? If the baby isn't pooping all the time, that's not normal. It may be common, but it is not normal and you should be telling somebody about it. They are going to lose weight almost certainly, but then they'll pick up again, you know, just enough to get them. Again, communication and collaboration with your colleagues. You only need to get them to day five. <laughs> you know, you practically only need to get them to their decision. <laughs> they feed the baby and then they see somebody else. If you've got a really good team, you just need to give them enough information to hold them to the next point. Of and just support them through and being honest. I think that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Shell, for joining us. I can I can assure everybody we will have Shell back. She won't escape our clutches, as I always say now. This hour goes so quickly. Um, and I want to say a big thank you to um, Shell for joining us and also for Amy in the background, making sure everything's going to come to you nice and neatly as a recording. And for those of you who are six o'clock in the morning on a Friday waiting for that recording, that's what Amy's up to. That's what she'll spend her day on doing tomorrow. Thank you also, for Paul, for sending the questions through. And, and resources will be available on the website and on Facebook on Friday. Next week, maternity and midwifery, same time, same place. We have this time examination of the newborn. Are we ready? You'll understand when you see next week. We've got Natasha Carr, we've got Lindsay Rose, and we've got Anna Byron coming along next week. Now, if you want a little trip to Dublin, for the All-Ireland Festival, that's on the 18th of April, book now. Or if you want to come to Leicester on the 16th of May, we've got a very delicious programme. So book now for that. But in the meantime, I'll say goodnight on behalf of me and Shell, and we'll see you next week. Take care. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. 
This podcast has been made possible by the team at Maternity and Midwifery Forum and our CPD partners, Matflix. You can sign up at matflix.co.uk.